Praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord. Everybody okay? Amen. I just realized I can't feel the wounds. <laughs> it's so cold. <laughs> Amen. But I'm fixing the <coughs> Get that flyer going. It's good to see everybody. It's good to be alive.
Just give me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Today's the 22nd. <clears throat> I have to say that for myself. Sometimes I forget. A little disoriented as far as time goes or days are concerned. Time is going by so fast, so. But uh, next week, New Year's Eve is on Friday. So we will be having a fellowship and probably uh, White Elephant on Friday. We haven't really, uh, unless we can secure the armory, we'll have it there. If not, we'll have it here. And then uh, the, the first, I mean the second, um, we will be having the Lord's Supper and foot washing uh, in the morning service. So praise the Lord. So that will be our schedule coming up for the next week. Amen. So be advised. And, uh, it's amazing how this month is going by so fast already. Too fast for me. Amen. Even though some of you may live a, a fast-paced, fast-paced life, I'm I'm slowing down now. Amen. And things just, time just seems to slip away and I just don't, sometimes, not forgetful, but just, praise God, just a little bit as far as trying to get myself lined up. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And what we have been Studying what we have been. How many of you? How many of you study when you're at home? Amen. How many of you study? How many of you actually do some really like searching? Amen. You get into, you know, uh, you can you can uh, use other sources like, uh, uh, for example, uh, anything concerning the Bible history, uh, Bible encyclopedia. Uh, Smith's Dictionary of the Old and New Testament. And uh, another one is, I uh, can't remember the name of it, but uh, it's an expository that I have. Uh, Customs and uh, Traditions of the Bible is another great book. I used to have a book called The Religions of Man. That was a, a really good book. I think that's still sitting in a building back in White River someplace, so it's probably out in some 
trash pile somewhere, along with a lot of other books I had. But uh, that and uh, the works of Josephus, the complete works of Flavius Josephus, uh, Christian, Christian Antiquities. Anybody ever read that? Uh, there's so much in there. Uh, going way back from the first century, coming up, going through the dark ages and coming up to the present day. Uh, a lot contained about church history and even going back into Jewish antiquities and understanding uh, everything as far as like uh, the Old Testament and uh, how the Jews, you know, as far as their, their customs and their beliefs and their traditions. And so when you familiarize yourself with all this kind of uh, knowledge and uh, over the years, you know, just and using that as a as a resource. What's really beautiful is you're going to find out that some of it's a historical resource, and what what really blesses me when it, when it actually um, uh, it bears witness to what the scripture is saying, and even brings out certain things that the Bible doesn't say in a little greater detail. And it just you know, when it happens, it just blows your mind. So that so that's the point of view I'm coming from. As I'm teaching to you, that's the point of view that I'm coming from. Uh, I, want, I want you to know that uh, in, these, in these studies and, and, um, and searching out these studies and what we're talking about, the Feast of Jehovah, of course, uh, I've been, uh, I've heard it, taught, and one man that was uh, uh, responsible for for really uh, helping me with understanding and help with, helping me with study and research was Elder Anthony Gerritsen. You see his picture hanging on the wall back there in the fellowship hall. Uh, very knowledgeable. And uh, of course he could speak, uh, I think it was five languages he spoke fluently. The Hebrew language was one of them. German, uh, the Polish language, uh, uh, I can't remember the language from, of course, his, his own native tongue uh, from from Holland, the Dutch language. And then the language that they speak there in Belgium, I don't know what that what they refer to that. But a little bit of Scandinavian too. So he was, and he could speak it fluently. I mean, I was just amazed at, matter of fact, he did teach us uh, some songs in German. <laughs> that was crazy. But they taught us some songs in German. And, and um, so his... <clears throat> his um, his uh, how, how could I say his approach and his where he gained all this knowledge of course the Lord called him and he called him to the office of a prophet and he was a prophet and uh, God used him mightily so you know he, he was primarily one of the ones most certainly one of the ones that were you know, influential in my studies of the Feast of Jehovah and end times, and uh, of course other brethren too that I know. And so, so what I'm sharing with you is not just something that you know I I develop on my own. And of course, when you study, uh, obviously the Bible says this: uh, what to study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. We, we all have that obligation to do that, to open your Bible and to study. 
and to really search the scriptures because if you do you're going to find out there's a lot of there's so much contained in the scripture alone that uh, your search is just uh, let me put it this way your search is never ending it's always ongoing God always adds to it and that's just the way he is and there's like Paul said he's past finding out there's, there's nothing we can't attain all the knowledge yet in the Lord uh, we'll only know when we get up there and as Paul said, when we're, while we're down here on earth, we know in part. We just know in part and we prophesy in part. So we're limited as far as our, our knowledge is concerned. But uh, everything that you know, we have uh, shared with you so far, it's, it's been you know, not just something that's happened just over a span of a few years. I mean, this has been, I think, since 1985, somewhere around there, when I really, when the Lord started to speak to my heart about it, and when I started to research it, it was 1985 up until the present day. That's a long time, isn't it? And, and of course, uh, a period of my life, I think in the early 90s, up until 97, I, I really devoted my studies to that because it was just uh, what, I was, what I was coming to and what I was, was understanding with the help of a lot of other people. I even contacted people that were uh, Jewish people. <laughs> to try to get some kind of understanding. And I thank God I did because I don't think I would have never come to a lot of the understanding of, of the customs of the feast if I didn't contact these Jewish people. And man, uh, it was, it's been beautiful. So what I'm sharing with you is just something that is there in the scripture. Um, and you have every right to research it on your own, to seek it out, to do whatever kind of study you can to search it out. And that's what I challenge you to do. I challenge you to search it out because whether you realize this or not, and um, uh, this is a very controversial topic, what we're talking about. I know that early on in the, in the years and in the 90s in my ministry, going from uh, camp meeting to camp meeting to, to different meetings that they had. Um, and of course, you know, sometimes I was, I was called upon to teach and I did, I taught certain things that were addressed and certain things that came out and I taught and I tell you what, it's, it's really controversial because people want to believe what they want to believe. Right. And the thing about it is, it's not scriptural. Right. <laughs> I'm, not saying that to, I'm not saying that to rub anybody wrong because there's even a point in my life where I had to correct some of the things that I thought was doctrine and I found out it wasn't really doctrine. It was just something that, of course, was expounded but it never really went into any depth we just it, it, the information was just if i want to say it wasn't specific it was just general knowledge it's like that every, every time you hear something you know about doctrine and if, if you don't really search it out if you don't really seek it out in the scripture uh you know it's just basically general knowledge and we hear that and so so uh so this this has been um and and i i don't want to say it in that way but uh, a lot of it's been disputed it's been disputed only because of our opinion, our own opinion. There's a lot of the things in the scripture that we don't really realize when we talk about the coming of the Lord and we talk about the things that are taking place. I never really would have learned about the events in the in the last days if it wasn't for the study of the feast because that kind of put everything into perspective it just kind of lined everything up 
And, and here's, here's the thing, and, and this is something that is debatable. Uh, I don't know if it's still debatable. I know in the past, man, uh, it just seems like whenever you mentioned it or even you try to mention it at fellowship meetings, people would get all, uh, uh, you know, just they're, they're, they're t this, this topic is, is a touchy subject. And they would get uh, very, you know, they're sensitive to it. So, of course, uh, emotions and, and uh, all that would rise up. And pretty soon, instead of, uh, as, as I learned this early on, I learned this because this is what happened to me, engaging in lawful debates. Now, listen to that. Engaging in lawful debates. <laughs> You're going to find out a lot of these times it doesn't end up that way. <laughs> right, right, right. That's right, it doesn't. Because it, it turns into personal attack. And that's, that's what happened to me. And, you know, uh, especially amongst our own brethren, you know, that's not a good thing. So, um, but here's the thing. And the reason why I say that, this is why this is important to us. I'm sharing this with you because this is the burden I have. This is my burden. And obviously the Lord gave this to me. And he didn't just give it to me alone. I'm not singling myself out and saying, I'm the only one that knows this. I'm not saying that. Let me tell you something. There's several, there's many, many brethren that know this. They have received the same understanding. But here's, here's the really, uh, how can I say this? Amazing thing about what's has, what has happened. In the past, uh, I would say in the past maybe 20 years. This is 2021, 2022, so... Going back to the year 2000, 2001, there are a lot of uh, the, the teachings on uh, the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah, and you go into the Minor Prophets because it's in the Minor Prophets, even back in the book of Genesis, that a lot of them were, were, were really, uh, they did not have the insight they did not have the insight, and that was a frustration because everybody was wanting to know. And of course, here's where inference comes in. Because you want to know, but yet you don't have the understanding, you infer. Does anybody know what that means? When you infer, you insert something. You insert something, but guess what? It's not scriptural. And so that's kind of the deal, and... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, um, and Brother Aaron knows this, Brother Aaron can tell you, he can testify to this, as well as other brethren that I know, I've been in fellowship with over the years, uh, good brethren, they know that uh, we, we have been totally uh, put to the test concerning this teaching, and, and we, we went through the fire, but guess what, uh, here's the thing, here's the, here's the thing, I believe what the scripture has to say. I don't. I don't believe anything. You know that any of my understanding obviously didn't come from my own insight or my own opinion. Obviously, the Lord had to actually minister to me to get me to understand that this was His word and this was His understanding, His information, His insight, His revelation. So here's the thing about it, and, and we'll talk about that in a, a little later. But here's the thing about it: we need to humble ourselves to what the Scripture is revealing to us that is that is the area that a lot of men a lot of uh teachers uh theologians have a 
hard time doing because they've preached it like this so long. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, they hate to humble themselves and say, hey, you know what? I've been in error. Right. Hallelujah. Uh -huh. Yep, that's the truth. I've been in error. That's the truth. Now, now, now here's the thing. When we, when we take a look at that and, and when we see that, uh, obviously, <laughs> and, and Lord willing, we, we will come to that time where, where we can uh, obviously get to this because there's so much that is, that, that this, that is contained in this and so many, uh, how would I say, areas and avenues that we can take to actually bring us to an understanding to help us to pinpoint, excuse me, <coughs> pinpoint God's will and what everything that is being said in the Word of God. And so when, when you, and after all these years of studying this and, and, and understanding that and realizing, you know, to me it says, it, 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 you know, here's the thing, it simplifies. You see all that and pretty soon you put it all together and you go, oh my. It's, it's, it's more simple than you think right. it is. Right. And so uh, it, it, will, it will do us well. And, and that's why I say I, I encourage everybody in here. And, and Brother Gerritsen was of, of the same mind when, when he would tell us that. He would encourage us to study and, and he would say it this way. He said, he would say, stick your noses in the book. Amen. Stick your noses in the book. Mm -hmm. Search it out. And that's what, that's what we need to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying this. I'm taking years of research. And, and, I don't say, and I don't say that lightly because if you've seen everything I've ever gathered on the feast and everything, I, everything I mean... What I have, you know, I have a few. These are only a, a few part of my notes. I have, I have notebooks like this. I have uh, other, other uh, things that I have written on. If I, if I showed you all the information I gathered over the years, because the way I did it was I just try to research and put everything there and just note something, write it down, and all this, and, and, and you would be amazed at how much information I have on it. I have a, a lot of information on it. So there's been a lot of gleaning. A lot of gleaning and then a lot of separating. And actually paying strict attention to what, you know, was what actually lined up, what actually uh, the word bore witness to. So, you, you know, the process of elimination, then you just kind of build upon that. So, so all this you're getting in a nutshell. <laughs> you're getting in a nutshell hallelujah but I still I still want to admonish you to do what you can to learn of it yourself because if you do maybe there's something I'm not addressing right maybe I'm missing something I don't know there's a possibility I know I've been corrected a few times by other ministers and uh one man that really had a lot of understanding, of course, him and I always compared notes. Uh, he went on to be with the Lord. Uh, his, uh, Pastor Marvin Simmons up there in Canada. Uh, 
he heard me minister a little bit on it uh, up north, and, and man, he was just like, uh, he said, I need to talk to you, I need to talk to you, uh, I need to find out, you know, what, what you know about this. And so we did, we compared notes, he was just like, wow, and amazed, and all of this. And he said, Brother Marshall, it makes sense. It makes sense. Not only does it make sense, it lines up with Scripture. So this is something that is, uh, I, I believe, detrimental. This is something that is very important for us to know because we are coming into that period of time. We talked about it for the past 20, 30 years <clears throat> in the ministry, always saying that, oh, the day of the Lord is right here. But come to find out, we've been saying that for a long time. But let me tell you something, the day of the Lord is going to be here soon. And so we're that near to it. We're very close to it. And I can tell you that by all the things I've ever studied and, 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 and all that. So there's a scripture in the, in the book of uh, Isaiah, in, in Isaiah uh, uh, 29. And, and this is what it says in, in Isaiah 29, 24. Of course, I'll, I'll explain this a little bit later when he talks about this. And, and uh, he says there in Isaiah 29, 24, it says, They also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding. And they that murmured shall learn doctrine. There's always an opportunity to correct ourselves. I want you to, I want you to know that. Never be of the mindset that you cannot be corrected that you're always right don't be that way because guess what you're going to be like me you're going to eat humble pie and, and let me tell you something i don't know if you like eating humble pie or not but sometimes the experience of it is is not good but you eat it anyway so there's always an uh, 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 and i don't like to use that word chance but there's always a chance there, there may be a time when we, when we all sometimes we will our, our thinking has to be readjusted concerning certain things, especially when it comes to the truth and we understanding what the truth is and all that kind of stuff. So it's important for us to, to realize that and understand that, that we can be corrected. God can correct us, and He will. And so you see that. So that's what's important for, for you to understand. And, and I want you to know that because <clears throat> you're sitting here and you're the product of this ministry. You're the product of this ministry. I'm not talking about where you come from a few years ago or what I'm talking about now. <laughs> You're the product of this ministry. And, and what you hear in the Word of God, and I believe this is important because this is what the Lord is, is bringing uh, to, to a point where we can uh, obviously come to an understanding and learn about these things. So it's important for you to, to do that now. As far as what we're looking into, as far as the Feast of uh, Tabernacles, of course, the, the Scripture talks about that, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. And when it talks about the seventh-month feast, and we looked into Scriptures last week. So it always refers to the, the Feast of Tabernacles. Never really, whenever they mentioned it, they never, like, like you, you go back in the first, the first set of feasts in, in, in the month of Abib or Nisan, uh, you have the Passover, you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then you have the first fruits. Every time when they talked about that feast, you ever notice this? They, always, they never mentioned the Passover. They always mentioned Unleavened Bread. 
They never. Sometimes, yeah, yes, they talked about the Passover, but whenever they referred to that feast, they they referred to it as the feast of unleavened bread. So you obviously have to understand enough that in that particular season of that feast, there was Passover unleavened bread and the first fruits involved in that. They were all connected together, okay? As well as the Feast of Pentecost. It wasn't called Pentecost, it was called the Feast of Weeks. And only because you had to number the weeks after the day of the offering of the, of the first fruits. So you had to number the weeks. Seven times seven, 49, the day after. Uh, 50, or 50, uh, so 50 days, seven weeks. So the term, the Feast of Tabernacles, is always associated with the day of the memorial blowing of trumpets, and then the Day of Atonement, and then Tabernacles. So always remember that, because people get uh, people get kind of confused when they talk about it, and they think about you're talking about something else, but that's just the way that the, the Scripture presents it in some places. So, uh, but here's the thing about this feast. Now, if I, if I haven't shared that with you already, if you don't know it already, uh, these feasts are, are uh, of course, in the fall, in, in the Hebrew month of uh, Tishrei, which is, uh, is along with our uh, late September, early October, somewhere around there. And so they were fall feasts. And this feast was obviously, uh, and they referred to it as the, this feast, followed the, the Hebrew calendar. And of course, there were two calendars in, in, in Israel. There was the agricultural calendar and there was the religious calendar. And, and the Feast of Israel follow the agricultural calendar. But in there, in the scripture, you're going to find out that in certain places, instead of referring to it as an agricultural calendar, uh, for example, the prophet Isaiah talks about it, he refers to it as the religious calendar. <laughs> well, obviously, because the Jews knew the Jews had understanding of two calendars. I'm just sharing information with you that'll, that'll help you, so if you ever run into it, you won't get confused by it, because I know of a lot of people that have searched it out and said, what does that mean? Why is he talking about it? I thought you said the, the, the Feast of Passover was the, was the first of, 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 that, of that season. I said, well, we're talking about the agriculture. We're not talking about the religious. See, there's two calendars. Okay, so that's what you have to search for, too, because like a lot of times, and even myself, in the beginning, kind of became a little confused, like, what? wait a minute, wait a minute, what, what's he talking about here? So always remember that there's two calendars involved. There's the agriculture calendar, which begins in Abib or Nisan, that's our April, and there's the religious calendar, which begins in Tishrei or October. So remember that, two existing calendars there in the... In the and so the calendar that we are talking about here is obviously... The, the religious calendar. And so in this, in this and then it, it, it also goes back into the agriculture calendar because the season, I mean, excuse me, the calendar we're talking about is the agriculture calendar. So when we talk about the season that we're in right now, whether you realize it's not, when I say season, somebody might be saying, well, pastor, this is, we're almost into January. Well, that's true. But I'm talking about spiritually speaking. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about God's prophetic, you know, calendar. Mm -hmm. We, the church is right now entering the reaping season. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the Feast of Tabernacles 
<clears throat> was, was held during the reaping season. Now, here's the thing. Because of its place, and, and it was the reaping season, and everything that took place, this particular feast was the biggest feast of them all. And it was referred to as the Great Feast. Mm -hmm. So in other words, it was bigger, it was greater than the Feast of Pentecost. It was bigger and greater than the Feast of Passover, Unleavened Bread, and First Fruits. Mm -hmm. So remember that. And, and of course, Jesus, that's when Jesus was in John chapter 7, when he was right in the midst of that water ceremony, that water ceremony where the priest would go to the pool of Siloam and, and, and draw that water out of that, that pool and pour it out. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> that's where Jesus was standing in the midst of that procession. And he calls out, uh, if any man thirst, if, if any man believes or, or thirst, uh, and believes in me, out of his belly shall flow. If any man thirsts and believes in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So can you imagine that? Why would Jesus be standing there right in the, right in the middle of that ceremony, the, 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 the water ceremony, the pouring out of the waters? Why would he be there, standing there in the midst of the people and the high priest and all that? And here he comes right when he's, history says, right when he was, Pouring out that pitcher of water, here's Jesus, and all of a sudden, lets it go. If you believe on me, as the scripture has said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Mm -hmm. Woo! Mm -hmm. So obviously, he put a sign on it, he identified it, he marked it, and, and of course, it talks about the in, in the great feast, in the last day. If, if you look at the interpretation, some of them say, the last day of the feast, it says the great day of the feast. So, so you you see this, and and um, so obviously everything in here is during this time. Everything that you and I are, are looking at in the scripture tonight. Thank God for the Word of God in it, and, and you see that, and and uh, here we are, and here's the thing. As long as we're being led of the Holy Ghost, mm -hmm. we're going to fulfill. Mm -hmm. Everything that's taking place in the, in, the, in the Feast of Tabernacles, we're going to fulfill. We're going to experience that. So, <clears throat> this, because this is the reaping season, and it's not just barley and wheat that's going to be reaped. It's going to be all these other, uh, like nuts and raisins and all these other, uh, the, the other produce that was reaped. So, it was various fruits, and what does that mean? Uh, the, the, the wheat and the barley symbolized, uh, uh, of course, Israel and then the Jewish, uh, the, the Gentiles. But these are other, other people, other nations with, with the various fruits and stuff that are being brought into the harvest. Nuts and all that kind of stuff. So even the, 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 the harvest is going to be a variety of, of fruit. In other words, a variety of people and tongues and nations. Man, so you think about that. You think about that. I ran into a man in Walmart one time. I, I wasn't talking to him. Somebody else was. And, and he had an accent. He had a strong accent. You could tell he didn't talk English very good. He's trying to get some kind of what, what he was looking for. And the person there was trying to help him. But, so I thought to myself, you know, that's kind of strange. He's here in Vermillion, South Dakota, wherever he was from. 
And, and you never know, that school is drawing in a lot of different people. I know some people that come overseas just to go to school here. And so there's a lot of different nations, a lot of different tongues and languages, a lot of different other cultures and ethnicities that uh, obviously they're going through this town. We don't see it, you know, too often, but, you know, we do run, we run into people. So, so there's a reason why the Lord has a church here in Vermillion. Yes. We're not here just to, you know, because, well, we just, uh, we, we just thought we'd have a church here. This is it. Boom. That's not that, you know, it's not my plan. It's God's plan. And, and the Lord wanted to make sure that there was a church here. So that's the reason why we're here. And uh, so... So we talk about, we talk about, uh, uh, and, I, and I don't know if I, if I mentioned that to you last, but there's two, two phrases when they talk about trumpets, and we talked a little bit about that in the Hebrew, uh, zikron teruah, zikron teruah, meaning memorial of blowing of the trumpets, zikron, z-i-k-h-r-o-n, T-E-R-U-A-H. Zikron Torua, memorial of blowing of trumpets. And then it's also called Yom Torua, Torua, day of blowing of the trumpets. Then you talk about the memorial of blowing the trumpets. It's, it's kind of like, it's a time reference. It's a time reference. It's referencing a certain point of time. Or, as we just read, it could mean that one particular day, or it could be a number of days, but it's called memorial blowing the trumpets. In those days, the trumpet's going to be blown. So that can be applied to where we are right now, as far as God, God's will is concerned, okay? Uh, and then, of course, the, the, everybody should know this, what we talk about uh, the day of, uh, of atonement and what everything happens there is called Rosh Hashanah, head of the year. In other words, that this October was the beginning of the religious year, so Rosh Hashanah, the begin, the head of the year. That's that's what the, the prophet Hosea was referring to. We'll get to that later. That's what he was referring to when he spoke about it. Okay, the outpouring, the latter and the former reign together. That's what he was referring to. Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. Because if you look it up in the Hebrew, you're going to see it there. And so uh, a lot of people love, and, and they always refer to that as the day of Pentecost. Of course, he mentions that in chapter 2. Don't we know that? Mm -hmm. Acts chapter, I mean, uh, Hosea 2. He mentions the outpouring uh, of the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and, and he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That was Pentecost. But in Hosea, he's talking about another time. He's talking about in the first in the first month, and if you look that up, it's Rosh Hashanah. In other words, the, the and he's he's referring to the religious year, the first month. In other words, Tishrei, in the month of Tishrei, there's going to be a, a pouring out of the first, the former, and the latter rains together. So, two outpourings combined together. Okay, okay. Now, now listen to this. Because when you take a look at that and, and you say, uh, look what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Ghost was poured out. And you read that account in the book of Acts chapter uh, 2 and how, how, how the Holy Ghost came in 
and, and it just moved upon those 120 believers. And the Bible says, and they all spake in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And, and he, he, the theologians like to refer to that as what they call, you know, we, we, we have uh, certain uh, movements, religious movements, they call it the charismatics. Yes. Okay, the word that is used is glossolalia. That's the Greek word, glossolalia, which, which, moves, which means this. Uh, obviously, they're talking about what's taking place and what they experienced was that excitement. But that excitement, it wasn't just like an uh, uh, a emotional or a human uh, emotion that caused them to, you know, make all that noise. It was the Holy Ghost that did that. But they like to refer to it as a charisma. And that's where that word charismatic comes from. And so that's where they're there again. Here we, here we get a really good uh, look at inference. Right. Right. Okay? We get a good look at inference. Where they insert something. They can't explain it. And usually it's theologians that don't know what the Holy Ghost is. Right. They can't explain it, so they always put a term to it, or they put a word to it. That was their explanation. Even Greek scholars, how could they do that? You know? Uh, I, I, I have a Greek Bible. Somebody blessed me with a Greek Bible. I read it. I try to read it. It's got the, the English translation on one side, the Greek on the other. I tell you what, it's amazing. And, 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 and I'm not fluent in Greek. I'm not telling you I, if you want me to talk Greek. I can't talk Greek to you. But it's helped me to understand, you know, how the how the, the Greek was formatted and how they translated it into the English version. But when you think about it and, and you talk and you hear well, what's taking place as far as like the way they explain it in, in the Greek language, and, and it talks about that the influence of the Holy Ghost and how it excited. You know, the reason why a, a lot of theologians say it, excitement, emotion, because that's what the Holy Ghost does to us. It quickens us. Right. So woo. Yeah. Right. And so they, they like to turn out glossolalia. And they put, they put different names to the words are the verbs and the adjectives and past tense, present tense, and all this stuff. Just to try to explain the way. Let me tell you something. Get rid of the, the technical jargon. And just look at what the word really is. And that's where they lose, that's where they get lost in the interpretation. They're trying to explain how to correctly use that verb in that sentence to explain the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Amen. You're going to find it's like that with Hebrew too. There's some people that want to try to explain that. And I purchased a book on Hebrew linguistics because I wanted to know if that was really good. I, you know, so I read the reviews and I said, oh man, tremendous book on Hebrew linguistics. I got it and I bought it. And guess what? You know what they were doing? All they were doing is critiquing the Bible. And they were trying to say why the Lord said this. In one passage of scripture, they were comparing uh, quotes in the book of Kings to the Psalms. And, and just the, because the, whoever wrote Psalms in that particular uh, chapter, they eliminated a certain word. And they said, well, how come that word wasn't in that ver particular verse when they said it there in 2 Kings? Do you want to be that technical? Right. Yeah. Yep. It's just, you know, I, I'm just saying this. I'm not an expert in Hebrew. 
I'm not an expert in Greek, but I, I can tell you this. I have studied the King James Version Bible. I have tried to dig as deep as I could in it to get with the understanding I have to get an interpretation from the scripture to and use those words. Not try to, uh, uh, how would you say, critique them, but just accept them and believe them. Okay? Am I making sense? Yes. So, so we have that. And so when it comes to this and understanding everything that we, we know on, uh, about this, you know, uh, it, it'll help us to... Now, here's, here's the other thing. Uh, I, I've shared with you uh, a little bit concerning the Hebrew customs. I believe it was unleavened bread. Remember I shared that, the customs and what they do? Yeah. The candle and the goose feather. And how they, and the bread, how they sprinkle it and then they go around searching for it. Okay, customs. Here's the thing. You're going to find out when you study it. I'm just going to save you some headache, okay? Customs that were linked to the feast after. And especially after the time that the first temple, when we talk about the first temple, I'm talking about Solomon's temple. When they came back from captivity, guess what? They, they came back and they rebuilt Jerusalem. They rebuilt the temple. And then because of that, and then <clears throat> because of that, because they had to actually worship without a temple, guess what? They devised certain customs to worship Jehovah. So you're going to find that all these customs are linked to that in the period of which it, what they call the, the beginning of the, of the, the synagogue order. Because synagogues didn't come until after. You know why? Well, they didn't have a temple for a while. And, and all that. So they had to devise some sort, some order of worship. There was nothing they could do without the Ark of the Covenant. It wasn't there no more. So what did you have to do? You had to somehow devise a system where you can worship. And so that's where all these customs came from. That's where all these traditions came from. It's like the church, the modern day church. There's a lot of customs and traditions that the church world, they believe in, but guess what? Has nothing to do with the early church. That, that is something that uh, I've, I've gone through the mill, like I said. When you're raised up believing a certain way and all of a sudden you find out that's not Scripture, you go, That's, that's the truth. Amen. Amen. That is the truth. You feel stupid. You go, But here's the thing. We were taught wrong. Yes, that's right. We weren't taught the apostles' doctrine. And, and, and you notice something. Now, I don't want to offend anybody in here. I love you all, okay? I love you. But I love the truth, too. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in Christmas. Amen. I'm going to say that. I'm not saying that to offend you. Mm -hmm. But I don't believe in it because I found out it has nothing to do with the, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. That's right. Nothing. I, I did some research and I found out some interesting things on it. And I thought to myself all those years... I used to be just like everybody else, and I would go through all the traditions and all the customs. 
and all this. And I found out man had nothing to do with it. And you know what? Here's, here's one man of God said it to me this way. He said, show me in the scripture where it says to celebrate the birth of Christ. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's not there. Mm -hmm. It isn't there. I still haven't found that scripture. Mm -hmm. I search for it every now and then. And I've never taught it. And I don't know if I'm disobeying God to keep from hurting your feelings because that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. Because that is something that a lot of people have a hard time with. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I have, I've had people say stuff to my face. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. <laughs> All right. So there's a lot of things about, about that, about inference. Now, <laughs> mm -hmm. the, the, the reason why I'm saying it like this is this. Because God, here's the thing, this feast and what's happening, the day we're coming to, we talked about trumpets, and now we're coming up to the Day of Atonement. Here's the thing, the whole thing about the Day of Atonement, of course, we reread it. We get an idea of, of the Jewish history, the Jewish customs. That's all part of it. But like I said, those came afterwards. Okay, so here's the thing. The whole thing about the Day of Atonement is this. One of the things that, the purpose of the Day of Atonement is this. Now pay attention. The Day of Atonement is there to clean the church up. Mm -hmm. Amen. It's there to sanctify the body. Mm -hmm. That's the whole purpose. And, and, and we need to, you know, understand that. So, uh, in your Bibles, and, and uh, if I haven't given you another scripture besides that one, Leviticus chapter 16, I think that's where we were going to last week, wasn't it? Yes. Didn't, I, didn't I reference that? See, I, I can remember. 1629, Leviticus 1629. So I, I, my memory's not too shot. Praise God. Praise God for that. I started picking on the absent-minded professors because I was getting that way. Quit making fun of them. <laughs> Praise God. Verse number 29, this shall be a statute forever unto you that in the seventh month on the tenth day of the month. Now pay attention to this. One thing that caught my mind in all this This, will be, this shall be a statute forever. In other words, here's the thing about it. It's an ongoing. They never, they never ceased after the literal keeping. After Israel literally kept the feast. When, and when, after the first covenant, it's never ceased. After the literal commandment and after the literal obedience to that commandment and after the first covenant was obviously the first, the, new, the Old Testament came to its end, it did not cease there. It did not stop there. It went on because it, it played its role in the first covenant. Now it's playing its role in the second covenant. So that's why the word forever unto you 
that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, ye shall afflict your souls and do no work at all. Whether it be one of your own country or a stranger that sojourneth among you. For on that day shall be the for on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you. Look what he says. To cleanse you, that ye may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls by a statute for ever. My. <laughs> wow. So the sole purpose, the Day of Atonement, like he said, to cleanse you. To cleanse you. Every time we come in here, guess what happens? The ministry of the Word. Sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. Paul said, by the washing of the water, by the word. Amen. So here we are, every time we humble ourselves and <clears throat> commit ourselves to a gathering, a holy convocation, we're exposing ourselves to the word, and that's what the word does to us. And It, it, it feels uncomfortable to our flesh, but guess what? It's actually doing a work of sanctification. It's cleansing us. Hallelujah. It's doing a work. It's doing its work. Uh, when I was speaking about all the Jewish uh, customs and everything, uh, before I go on, uh, I want you to understand something. They're all, and, and when we talk about, when we all, when we talk about uh, the Day of Atonement, uh, the tradition of the Jews, of course, the Day of Atonement took place 10 days after the blowing of trumpets on the first day. 10 days. 10, 10, 10. So when they blew the trumpet on the first day, they knew that after the first day, they had nine days to prepare themselves. Preparation. The Day of Atonement's coming on the 10th. So that when that trumpet was blown, they knew in the back of their minds... I have nine days to afflict my soul. To afflict my soul. Nine days. Because they knew what was going to happen on the Day of Atonement. That was a solemn assembly. That was a solemn gathering. Because it was a serious thing. That was the only time that the high priest went into the Holy of Holies took the blood of the sacrifice and amen, sprinkled it on the judgment seat. And if he did everything accordingly, if the sacrifices were offered up in the right order, everything was followed to a T, the Lord accepted that sacrifice and that judgment seat became a mercy seat. Okay? Every day on the Day of Atonement, that's what happened. Every year on the Day, on the day of Atonement, that's what happened. So what happened? For the Jews, their sins were rolled back a year. 
In other words, they weren't to receive any kind of judgment because their sins were basically rolled back for a year. So they didn't receive judgment for their sins. Okay? But this is what the Jews believe. They, they refer to this time period from the first to the first day of the month to the tenth, what they refer to it as the days of awe. The days of awe. In other words, they knew they had this amount of time to prepare themselves, to afflict their souls, to get themselves ready, because man, if there's anything that would focus your attention on on trying to do what's right. How many of you, how many, does this ever cross your mind? And, and maybe it does, a lot of you. You're saying this, I wonder how much time I have left. Yep. Right, exactly. Yep. Yep. And if you knew how much time you had left, what would you be doing? Right, wow. that's right. Amen. That's right. That's right. Will your daily routine change? Huh? Would your movement kind of, your movement would slow down a little bit? Because you're thinking about one thing. Your, your attention's on what's going to happen in 10 days, and you're thinking about yourself. Where am I? Right. That's right. And so obviously you begin to afflict your soul. You begin to think about yourself, and man, what do I need to do? I only have, and then as that first day went by, I only have nine days left. And here you are dealing with all your sins. And that day goes through, and here comes day two, and then here comes eight days left, and you're just, and it's just like time is just running out, and you're thinking to yourself, man, man, man. You know why? You know why it was that way with the Jews? Because they believed this. This was called the days of all. They literally believed that there was three books that were open. One of them was called the Book of Life for the Wicked. And if you did not repent, if you did not afflict your soul, you were written in the book of life for the wicked. And of course, that next year, judgment came upon you. And the other book that was open was the book of life for the righteous. And if you made it right, if you put your, if you took your sacrifice and you offered the sacrifices that were prescribed for you to offer, you did everything according to the word of God, your name was written in the book of life for the righteous. And then the third book was called the book of life for the in-between. And if you didn't really know, guess what? Your, your name was written and, and judgment was held back. See, that's, that's Hebrew, Hebrew tradition, Hebrew, Hebrew belief, Hebrew philosophy. Now, so, so you look at that and, and, and you see that and you go, wow. Because we, we live in a world that there's a lot of superstition. A lot. A lot in this world. But, you know, you think about that and one, one dear person that I got to know in my, in my years and he, he became, he was a very talented musician and uh, he, was a, he was a Jew, uh, Brother Rick Kimball. And we got to know him and, and him and his wife, Sister Marcy, befriended him. And, and, and he was drawn to us because the reason why he was drawn to us, he says, Brother Marshall, I really like the way that you preach about one God. And, of course, he was baptized in Jesus' name. 
filled with the Holy Ghost. And they literally celebrated the Passover and all that. Matter of fact, we were supposed to eat the Passover with them one time. They were getting it ready and something happened and we didn't do it, but we never, we never followed up on it anyway. But <clears throat> So you think about all the, the Jewish customs and traditions, and I, I took a little liberty to ask him because, you know, he spoke, they, they spoke Hebrew. And so I started asking him, and, and you know, he was giving me answers. And so when I, when I go, go back in the book of Leviticus and I talk about something, he goes, he said, it, it, it says that there? I said, yes, it does. And he's just kind of like, wow. But listen to this now. Listen, listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.4. He says this. He says this. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith. So do. So we're not to give heed to fables and endless genealogies. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to Timothy. Timothy was, his mother was a Jew, but his dad was a Gentile. But obviously he was instructed in the Jewish ways. Paul's, Paul makes a, a, a comment about that in several passages there when he was talking to him about it. And, and uh, you go there in, in 1 Timothy 4, 7, he almost says the same thing there. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, he says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So in other words, get rid of the fables, get rid of the folklores, get rid of the philosophy, get rid of the tradition of men, because it doesn't have anything to do with God. And, and you go there in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and in verse number four, it says almost the same thing. And it says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. I'm just using this as an example so you can understand what it is. Uh, <clears throat> Titus 1.14. This is actually the scripture I was wanting to read in the beginning. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Woo. So even the Jewish fables were something that Paul said we shouldn't pay attention to because guess what? That's all they are. It's just a fable. And so uh, in, in Second Peter, the Apostle Peter says that in, in the first chapter, in Second Peter uh, chapter 1 verse number 16, he says, uh, For we have not followed, followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So we see that. We see, <coughs> excuse me, that when it comes to understanding, of course, you know, some of the some of their traditions are uh, obviously, you know, they're like every, everybody else's traditions. <laughs> you get steeped in, in the, you know, uh, if I want to say it, it's just like almost like folklore or, or, or just what they believe about it. And, uh, and then so, so, you know, of course, everybody's culture is like that. Our cultures are, are enriched by our, our uh, 
customs, our beliefs about it, the way we celebrate, the way we, the way we do things. And, but you know what? Here's the thing. You go back and you study that. Go back in the Old Testament and the prophet Jeremiah, he said that all these were... You, you know what that is? You know what the Bible refers to it? And that's a word that people don't like to hear. Paganism. Mm -hmm. Amen. Has nothing to do with God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So that's why it's important for us. Our approach... Even tr Jewish tradition, we have to somehow pay attention and not be so caught up by Jewish tradition, especially if it takes you away from the truth and what's really happening as far as, and that's, see, that's why the Lord condemned the feast. He called, he told the Jews, he said, he said, they're your feast. They're not my feast anymore. Why was it? Because they changed the celebration and the way that they held the feast. So, in other words, they changed it to what they the way in the order they wanted to celebrate, not know how he started, how he started them out to celebrate. So they changed it. So that's why he called them your feast, your feast, not my feast. So you think about that now. Pay attention now. I know I'm taking a little time tonight, but I want you to understand certain things. So you think about that. Even church history, there's certain things that the church has done on its own. Obviously, not the real church. But people have done on their own to incorporate certain beliefs in the church doctrine that are even scripture. And so the whole reason, now, I'm, I'm, here I go, here I go. The, the whole reason for all of this, there's a reason why, you know, back way back then, here's me. Every time I come across something, here's the first thing I read it and I look at it and I just kind of, it would hit me and I go, why? Why? There has to be a reason why. There's got to be a purpose in all this. Because God is God. And it was just as simple, as simple and as, as significant as, as day is from night. And there it was, and it's just like... But see, what makes it complicated is all, these, all this philosophy. We're so used to it. And the Lord says, this is all it is. Simply put, this is all what this is. Boom. Put it right out there and go, oh, man. <sighs> get rid of the traditions. Get rid of the philosophies. Get rid of the rudiments of men. That's what Paul said. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. So, anyway. I hope I haven't bored you with that. Mm -hmm. Revelation chapter 2. Let's go there. So, those ten days were called the days of awe. Why the number ten? Why ten? Revelation chapter 2, guess what verse? 10. <laughs> he says, Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. 
Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison. That ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. And I will give thee a crown of life. Obviously, ten means certain things in the Hebrew. Here it means tribulation. Right away, everybody gets, oh. Mm. Mm, that don't sound good. That sounds scary. How many of you thought that when you read that scripture? Huh? Be honest. No, don't say it. No. Tribulation, 10 days. Tribulation, 10 days. 10 days. How come he didn't say seven days? Why did he say five? Why didn't he say eight? He didn't say that. He said 10. 10 days. Tribulation. Do you remember what tribulation means? Pressure. Pressure from all sides. Spiritual, emotional, physical. Pressure. We feel it sometimes, don't we? We feel pressure. We feel things close around us. We don't like it. That's tribulation. But remember what Jesus said. In the world, you should have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we may experience tribulation. Thus, why do people term it the tribulation period? And they even phrase that wrong. Jesus said the great tribulation. <laughs> now here's the thing. I mentioned this to a brother one time. I said, so he, I said, you believe. You believe that those seven-year period is going to be the great tribulation period? He said, yes, I do. I said, well, that's not scriptural. So he said, what do you mean? I said, well, tribulation in, in the Hebrew, in the, in, the, in the alphabet, in the numbering system, 10 is, is the number for tribulation. So I said, if they're going to suffer tribulation through those whole, the whole seven years, then it should be 10 years, not seven. He said, where, where, how did you get that? I said, that's, study the Hebrew alphabet. Study the Hebrew numbers. This one itself thing. So 10 is always referred to, okay, tribulation. So I said, why seven years? And he says, well, that's what the Bible says. And I said, show me in the Bible where it says that. So of course, of course he took me to Jeremiah, the time of Jacob's trouble. I said, yeah, but it doesn't say seven years. He said, what do you mean, Brother Marshall? I said, the tribulation period doesn't last for seven years. It lasts for a certain amount of time, but it's not going to happen for seven years. Because God is going to deal with his people. Yes, they're going to have trouble, but it's not going to be the whole seven years. Ooh. All they can do is... So... Here we see 
in Revelations 10. Go with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 14. I might have shared this with you before because I have a note here. <clears throat> maybe, maybe not you, but maybe somebody else. Numbers 10. Wow. Oh, that's 14, excuse me. <laughs> I was looking. <laughs> Ooh, hallelujah. I need to keep my eyes on the right note. Talk about confusion. Numbers 14, verse number 22, it says, it says, Let me find it. Oh, 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 I'm in the wrong chapter. Excuse me. I would have really confused you. Numbers uh, 14, verse number 22. Look what it says. It says, Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice. Temptation. Temptation. So it means temptation also. Temptation. Pay attention. Temptation. What's everybody going to do? They're going to be tempted to look out. Hmm? Now so more than ever. What's going on in this world? It's just growing in intensity. The devil's working hard. He wants to make it look good. So you'll believe it. So what's he going to do? He's going to tempt you. You know what? I'm going to say this. I'm going to probably get you mad. But that's right. Get mad. I don't care. But there's going to be a day you're going to have to give up your cell phones and your iPads. Because that's your weakness. Don't say it's not. You young people know better. If it's not, how come you can't put it down? Amen. How come you can't discard it and just leave it and not touch it? If it doesn't mean anything to you, I've heard that say, oh, it doesn't mean nothing to me. Well, if it doesn't, leave it alone. Right. But yet, then we wonder why. You wonder why you have bad dreams, you can't sleep, you don't, you don't have rest and all that kind of stuff. Nightmares and you can't, spirits come in. Why is that? That's a medium. Temptation. We're living in that period where it's, it, it's intensifying. Mm -hmm. yeah. Intensifying. That's why even, even the adults, man, Satan's working hard to get at you too. Yeah. Certain things out there in this world. Yeah. He wants to throw in your face and make it look really nice. Oh, yeah. Wow. So you'll grab it. Temptation. In Job. Now I hope I can read this right. Because I must have wrote this in haste. I'm going to say, it looks to me, if it's not Job 10, it's Job 19. So I'm going to try Job 19 first. 
And if it's not Job 19, then it's got to be Job 10. Yeah, it's 19, 3, is it? 19, yeah, 3, 19, 3. And this is what it says. These ten times have ye reproached me. Ye are not ashamed that ye make yourselves strange to me. Reproach. Reproach. Ooh. My. Gonna suffer reproach. Gonna suffer reproach. Hallelujah. So you think about it. Why ten? Why ten? Daniel chapter one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Daniel chapter 1. Verse number 12. Prove thy servants, I beseech thee ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Prove thy servants ten days. So it's a period of proving. Ten days, that means proving. Proving. So you add that all together, of course, tribulation and temptation and reproach. But guess what? He's going to prove us through all this. Ooh. We might have to go through a little time period there. So when you think about it and you think about what the scripture says about that and kind of go, wow. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. So, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's something how you go over there to First uh, Peter chapter three. And right around verse number eight there, look what the apostle Peter is saying. He says, Finally be ye all one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrary blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil, and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. 
but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. Be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Amen. So you, so you see that. If we, it's better to suffer for righteousness' sake than to suffer for evil. Amen. So that's, that's, the, that's the reason. But remember, remember, that through all this, through these, through these days, through these ten days, through this period of time, of course we know we understand what that means. We understand all the things that are there, all these elements that are there. Of course, the bottom line is this: to prove ourselves, to prove ourselves, because we get through that period of time, we can overcome. That's why the Bible says that, as Paul said that we should have a love for the truth. Because if we don't have a love for the truth, God's going to send us strong, strong delusion that we believe a lie. That's why we have to have a love for the truth. Otherwise, if we don't, guess what? I'll be honest with you. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. So that's the meaning of that 10-day period. You come through that time, but yet not now. That sounds like all doom and gloom, doesn't it? <laughs> Everybody's up. But, but guess what's happening? Through all this, there used to be a song we used to sing. Brother Garrison taught us. And uh, I'll, I'll find the lyrics somewhere. But it's a Jewish song. It's about coming out of the furnace of affliction. It's about coming and surviving tribulation. Coming out of that furnace. He said that's what the Jews used to sing in the Holocaust. Hallelujah. He said you would hear them. It was a trying time for them. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. We will be facing certain things in this world. We will be. But here's the thing. At the same time, God is going to be moving. Yes. At the same time, there's going to be an outpouring of His Spirit. Yes. Things are going to be happening. God's going to be pouring out His Spirit. Because there's a great harvest that is coming. That is going to be reaped. So you think about that. You think about all this that's taking place now. Everything that's happening. And how everything lines up just so uh, perfectly as far as 
its purpose in that seventh month feast. Everything that's going to take place. Now, why, why would the Lord appoint in that particular feast, in that particular time of the year, that every seven years, every seven years. Of course, we know what seven stands for. Perfection, completion, maturity. Every seven years, the law had to be read. When Israel came for the Feast of uh, Tabernacles, every seven years, the law was read. They heard the law read. And as historians talked about that time when all the Israelites stood in the temple precinct and they began to rehearse the law. Said so they stood there after the offering of the morning sacrifice and they stood there until they went past noon and even into part of the afternoon just to hear the law. They did not move. They did not excuse themselves, but they stood there until all the law was read. Every seven years, God wanted them to get an opportunity. He wanted them to know the law. He wanted them to understand his precepts, his ordinances, his statutes. So every seven years, it was, it was like clockwork. It was all be done. So why every seven years? And why in the month of Tishri, the seventh month? Why? Praise God. So you think about that. You think about that. So, when it comes to uh, understanding, and of course, uh, to make sense out of certain scriptures, you go go with me in the book of uh, Isaiah. You bring it all together. And of course, uh, we always get so. Uh, disoriented as far as knowing certain things that are said in the scripture. Always remember, when you read the Bible, we tend to read the Bible like it's written. We, we read it that way. We think it's chronological. It's not. There are certain areas of time there that, of course, if you read, if you study the book of uh, 1 Samuel up to the Second Chronicles and Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther, you're going to find out that certain of those time periods are intermingled with, of course, the prophets and even the book of Psalms. So certain areas of that time, they're intermingled with that. They don't follow a chronological order, but they're written in a certain time and they identify certain places in that time. And of course, God was pretty much, <clears throat> uh, how would you say, he was, he was displeased at the idolatry that his people were so engulfed in. He was just displeased. So he says this in Isaiah 28. And he's reaching out to them and he's, he's telling them. In verse number 9. He says, whom shall he teach knowledge? He's asking that question. When he's referring to knowledge, what's he referring to? Whom shall he teach Knowledge. Pretty honest question, isn't it? Whom shall he teach knowledge? Just pay attention to that here. Okay. Whom shall he teach knowledge? Amen. And 
Whoops, I lost my place already. And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Who is he going to make to understand teaching? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. <laughs> Those who are growing and developing and maturing. He says, he says, for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here little and there little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. So this was a controversy or this was an, an issue that the Lord had with his people. And closely related to this was, <clears throat> of course, you know, you look at some of these prophets that prophesied almost during the same time, the, the, the same era. Here was Hosea in the book of Hosea and in chapter 4. And you see that in verse number 6. Look what Hosea said in chapter 4 and verse number 6. He said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so sinned they against me. Therefore, I will change their glory into shame. So look what he says. My people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. So that was a controversy that the Lord has with his people. Obviously, because they didn't retain his word. They didn't study his word. Instead, they were falling into the, the idol worship. And of course, all the, all the things that accompanied idol worship... Uh, uh, all these, these these feasts and 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 uh, and I, I, I'm going to say that you know so that in a way that you can understand it. But uh, parties of orgies and all this kind of stuff going on in in worshiping the idols and drunkenness, wine drinking, and all this, and that's what he was referring to. So that's why he said that when he spoke to them about uh, Amen. That uh, they that erred, they that erred in spirit shall come to understanding, and they that murmured shall learn doctrine. In other words, he was addressing that, that lewdness, that lifestyle, that, that part of his people that they just not, did not retain the word of God. And they just... So, here's the thing. He's bringing it all together, the seventh month. Every seven years, here comes the law. Boom. So if why not in the Feast of Tabernacle, prophetically in the church, the reason why the sounding of the trumpet, the ministry, and as we read, the ministry preaching and preaching his word, amen, declaring to Israel their sin, pointing out their sin, getting them ready for that day of all that's coming. Guess what? God wants us to get ready. And he wants us to get ready for that day. Why? We talk about that day. We talk about that day of 
being ready and being out of this world. So guess what God's going to do? He's going to bring us to a point where we realize and put us through certain things that we realize this, that the only way that we have out of here, the only hope we have to make it out of here is holding on to the Lord. And His Word. So we come to the day of, of, of atonement. And of course, what that means. And uh, we'll stop there for tonight. And I went over. Thank you very much. Uh, let's see, there will be practice tomorrow night rehearsal, and uh, I'm trying to remember what's on the schedule for this Friday. Uh, it might be a youth group, I'm not sure. Is that? Is, oh, that's right. It's well. <laughs> for those of you, praise the Lord. So I can't remember what it was we were on. I think last week, weekend we uh, last Friday we had Bible study because we missed Wednesday. But I think that was the week that was supposed to be ministerial. Youth night, okay. Oh yeah, youth night. So ministerial development. That's pretty quick for these young men. That's pretty much the idea. Amen. 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 we had up here was Brother Alex. Alex was one of them, I don't think. Alex? Jake. Jake and Alex. Jake. Okay. Hallelujah. And I don't know if Brother Richie will make it or not. Brother Rich and Brother Sinway, Friday night, ministerial development. Topic will be the Jubilee. Okay, it's settled. All right. Lord bless you. Thank you for coming. Greet one another. Have a good evening.